Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. Today, we are doing the second episode of Suzanne Tusson McNeil. So for more than 20 years, Susan has helped women over 50 to rediscover life purpose, reconnect with creative expression and well-being. She's a self-care expressive arts coach and online play shop facilitator. Her online programs for women are highly experiential, fun, insightful, and life-changing experiences. She is also passionate about storytelling performances and often showcases her work to assist other women. Her business is called Wisdom Quest Arts and Coaching. Welcome back, Susan. So happy to have you again. I mean, it's so insightful to have those conversations with you. I just wanted to continue and over and over again because it's so deep, so real and so relatable. Oh, thank you, Gemma. Again, it's just such an honor to be here. Thank you. So today we're going to focus more on the breaking the silence, reclaiming my voice part of your story. So maybe I know you just did it a few days ago. Uh, can you just walk us through maybe other parts of your story that are really related to breaking the silence and reclaiming my voice? So maybe where did you get silenced? I was silenced first when I was around four and five years old with a family member who molested me. And he threatened me to not tell my parents. So I didn't, so I remained silent. However, my body language, I was trying to show my parents with my body what was going on because I was throwing temper tantrums, but they just didn't get it. And then I did this thing that the therapists call tongue thrust problem, where I literally pushed my tongue against my teeth, the back of my teeth, until I ended up having really buck teeth and needing many years of braces later on. But all of this is ways to try to get their attention because I couldn't tell them I was silenced. And how many years did you go with this behavior to try to attract attention so that you could maybe have them have a glimpse that there is something deeply wrong that you are not allowed to say? How long? Do you remember? Do you know? I can't remember exactly, but it was because it was going on for a couple of years. So definitely during that time and probably for a couple of years afterward, because it's this this thing with the teeth takes takes quite a while for it to happen. It's over a period of time, so a few years. So I was, yes, ingrained in this, this habit. I think it became a habit as well, but I was mostly just wanting to get the attention that I wasn't getting. Yeah, and then years later, I mentioned this earlier in the other uh, podcast about my dad. So that was another huge place where I was silenced when he told me I could no longer speak in my own home. 
while also being the recipient of physical abuse, as I mentioned, the, his diagnosis of bipolar. But I do wanna mention there was another diagnosis that a therapist suggested that he was most likely a narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder. And one example would be he insisted that everyone in the family called him master rather than father. The world revolved around him. That's totally narcissistic for sure. <laughs> that yes. is an easy way to recognize, to recognize it, especially within the family. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. He would do things like uh, one day he would say, "You're not going to school today, and you're just going to work around the house." And he would give us all these chores and we had a house practically made of glass. We lived out in the country. So I'm cleaning windows and then he walks around with his belt. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing like a foreman, and then he was, you know, use, using the belt. So just, um, yeah, some kind of a idea that he was running the house as the master. So that's just one example. So you were a teenager during that time, 11, 12, mm -hmm. 13 years old. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was, um, but the thing that I, the silence is what pains me that I didn't reach out, but I didn't know that I could because of being silenced. My, my own family. This is why we have this podcast running. Yeah, I, and as a result of all of this being silenced, I walked with my head down when I was at school. I couldn't look at people in the eyes. I just had such low self-worth because of course that when one doesn't have expression, just kind of wither away inside. And also I began attracting toxic relationships because <laughs> I was very needy. And, and when the men, many of them were very jealous, possessive, wanted to monopolize my time, but I fell right into that because I wanted that sort of attention, or at least I thought that that's what I wanted. So it was very also codependent type relationships that I drew in but all stemming from a silence. But there is one thing that helped me. Well, I should say there's two, but there is one primary thing that I still do to this day, every day, journaling. Essentially. I think if I didn't, there were two things if I wouldn't have had, I couldn't have gotten through, through this. The journaling gave me a voice in some way because I could pour it out into my journal. And I love to write starting in third grade. So I was just, I was used to writing and no one taught me about using it as a personal journal, but I, that's, that's what it became for me. And to this day, it's what I advocate to. Journaling is, is just for me the best, I think, and for others, oh, such a great way to process 
through things and, and become more aware of what's going on with this and be real. You just said that since third grade, and I guess third grade, we were like eight, like nine, eight, nine. Yeah. eight, nine years old or something. Um, so you did start to write your own journal at eight, nine years old? Yeah, I started, well, I was writing stories. I would, I, I had quite an imagination and creativity. And so I was writing stories and um, yeah, just, and then it became, I forget exactly when, but then it became more personal nature, but more so when this trauma happened and I had nowhere to go. The journal became like my best friend. <laughs> and the, the second thing that I mentioned was my dad would travel occasionally for work. So when he was gone, then the rules weren't, weren't in place. But I had a phone number for my great aunt and she would listen to me. And she would, I mean, she, she would contact me because she traveled as well for her work. And she would contact me when she could. And she didn't really know the depth of what was going on at our home, but just being able to chatter away and tell her what was going on in my life. Creating that space for someone is, is just so powerful for, yeah, for feeling heard, because when we're not feeling heard, yeah, like I said earlier, we just, it just, our spirits just diminish. And it can feel so lonely. And I know probably many people can relate to that feeling. How long, so from the age of eight or nine, and now I don't remember what age you are, but probably, I don't know, 60 or something. Yes. Is that right? Plus. Okay, it's exactly <laughs> all good. <laughs> we don't need to go further in details. But that also means like five decades. Have you been journaling for five decades? Well, I've been journaling and I did actually um, publish a book in 2011. So it's Women at Play, Peace, Love, and Acceptance of Yourself After 40. And I've had a blog for many, many, many years now that I love to share helpful information with, with women. Yeah. Um, and particularly on these sub subjects and breaking the silence and reclaiming one's voice because our voice and the voice isn't just the speaking voice. The voice is our expression. However, that is our creative expression. It could be even cooking. <laughs> it can be, you know, so many things. It's, it's whatever brings one joy and that spark. And I just want to really encourage that for others. Were you stalked by your father or the one who raped you or the one who molested you or your ex-husbands or whoever? Were you stalked because you were starting to publish your content on the blog, have your voice heard by others? Were you like followed, stalked and, and, and uh, did they try to silence you again? 
Well, I, well, actually, I'm going to give you an example of this one relationship that I had. This was my final toxic relationship. I did have one more after the ex-husband as I wasn't quite healed yet. I was on, almost there. But the positive thing is this particular man, after about a year, I ended the relationship because I had gotten, I was healed enough to that point that I was recognizing, I don't want this possessiveness, this jealousy, and I don't want to be isolated in a relationship anymore. I need a community. I'm more of an extrovert. I need people. <laughs> and, and so we in, I ended the relationship, but I thought we could be friends. He and I were talking on the phone and just staying connected. And he told me he needed a place to stay for a while. He was having, he was living with his parents when he was having trouble at home. And I offered him to come stay at my place while I was going for a week. My sister was giving birth. I was going to help her. Let him come, come stay there. And I, he asked for her phone number if, if he needed it for an emergency. I gave him the phone number. So he starts calling and he wants to know where I am. And there was one afternoon that I went golfing with my sister and brother-in-law and um, he had brought a friend. So sure enough, he hears that from my sister's mother-in-law who's there at that moment with the baby helping. So we could all get out for a little bit. And he's decided I'm having sex with him, with, with this guy. And he starts phoning and phoning all night, two in the morning. He's, so we have to take the phone off the hook. I get back to my apartment and it's been ransacked. He's just destroyed everything, poured alcohol around, done all kinds. So, but the good news is this was a huge turning point in my breaking the silence and reclaiming my voice because he also started stalking me when you mentioned stalking. And I got a restraining order against him. And what helped me to get the restraining order were two girlfriends, one on each arm going into the courtroom because I also learned I can't do this alone. I, growing up with the situations that I did, I was so used to relying on myself. I didn't know how to reach out to other people, how to relate with the, even other people. I was so isolated. And this was an opportunity to reach out, get support, and do something that took an enormous amount of courage to be in the courtroom with him and successfully get the restraining order. So I have a question about this restraining order because this is something I never tried in my life. Basically, it's, an, it's a legal paper. It's a order by the judge that forbid 
the person to come to a certain within size. a certain I forget the exact amount, but but a certain distance, or and, else will be arrested. And ah, or else he, that person would be arrested. Okay, so basically, the person who is being restrained knows that now he or she is not playing with you only anymore, but with every police around. Risking right. to be arrested if that person comes too close to you. And they go into a database too. So they're, so it's, so other people can see as well, it's public. Mm. So the power is very dissuasive for them, but they are still responsible to enforce it for themselves. Yes. And if they break it, yeah, they break the law, they break you, they break the surrounding, but it's not physically impossible. They may. They can physically come, but they are not allowed anymore and it's forbidden and it is against the law. Well, now they're, they're at... A, a very big risk if exactly and if you notice them you call the police right away mm -hmm. who just send a, a patrol to arrest them yeah and i don't know this was a while back so i don't know if the laws have changed or i don't I, know I, but i, I heard much. current stories of restraining order yes. and it's pretty similar yeah yeah so i in in my case I never, ever saw him again. I've never heard from him. I had no problems whatsoever. It worked well for me, but it, there was something symbolic also about that moment of having that much courage and being having the girlfriends. That was what I, I needed also to know that the support is always available. A lot of times it's just about us asking being, being willing to ask and and get the support that we need. So I guess my next question, because I imagine someone going through the same hardships that you went through today and listening to your story and thinking to him, herself or himself, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that might be an option, but I don't know anyone. And the only person I know already shut me down. Um, so my question for you is, where did you meet these girlfriends? Was that at a specific group? Was it like well, a chat? In the community in different, different ways. Like I had the 12 steps. I went from, I mentioned Gammonon earlier. Well, I ended up in CODA, which is Codependence Anonymous, because I realized that I needed to learn to have healthy relationships. So I want to definitely emphasize how much that helped me and not just relationships with others. It starts with oneself and that's the principles behind CODA. So there were women that I met in that journey, um, spiritual community. I got involved with spiritual community and then there were study groups and different um, I'm like right now I'm in what is called a home group and we meet monthly and support each other. So I, I believe wholeheartedly in that I'm in a, a lot of different groups right now, but throughout my life, I started finding groups and like the yoga women at yoga. And so a lot of different places 
in the community where I started making friends, more friends than, and then in the workplace you know, as well. And yeah, that's, sure. oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sure that's going to help. So indeed, join groups, support groups, healing groups, spiritual groups, work groups, hiking groups, I don't know, something where you meet other people on the same planes and you. Yes, whatever, um, like for example, something that has helped me a lot is sound healing. And there are, in most places, opportunities. I, I live in California and San Diego, we have women's drumming groups that meet once a month. There's, I'm in what's called a toning group. And so we play, we drum together and there's other um, instruments that we play. The book, we do the crystal bowls. I have a crystal bowl and sound healing has been really, really powerful for me. Yeah, not only for you, I guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and those are the people that I, you know, relate with. So it, it's important for people to, wh whatever it is that interests you, to, to join a group. And yeah, then you're connecting with like-minded, like-hearted other women. That's just gorgeous. Mm. And I know that there are, there are also group of healing for men. I know in San Diego for sure, but in other places as well. And, of, and otherwise, um, Facebook groups and just figure out and try and post something to say, hey, I want to meet up with some other people with that kind of mindset or problem, who knows who, and, and get started with that. Really thinking about the one who just don't know where to start and where to find groups and don't know anyone and is like alone and feels alone and... I don't know here, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a, like a singles group, for example, that meet up and go hiking or biking. It's, it's all outdoor athletic type activities. So those are, or something like REI has groups, you know, that meet up for, for hiking and, you know, so very wholesome kind of activities. And, so coming back to breaking the silence, reclaiming my voice, which is really today's topic. Um, when you dared to start your healing process, when you went first to that gambling associate association group to help your ex-husband, you realized that you were starting to heal yourself actually. Mm -hmm because you did actually need help to process everything, even if you thought first that it was just for him and then it was for yourself. And then you fight this divorce, which was a gigantic step. And probably breaking the silence, asking for divorce was the first step to break the silence because there is a reason why you ask for divorce. So this is a first breaking the silence. Going to yeah. that group was breaking the silence because now you are here. Okay, so I am Suzanne and this is my story. <laughs> so you are breaking the silence. Yes, and, and I started public speaking. So my degree, I mentioned that I went back to college. My degree was speech communication. So I really went for 
Yeah. And from there, I joined Toastmasters, which many might be familiar with, helping with public speaking. And one that I continue to do, I'm actually doing it this week. It's online. It's called Speaking Circles. And it's about relational presence and learning to more look in the eyes of someone, connect more heart with the heart than with the head. So it's actually my favorite group is speaking wise, but these are all steps. And I, I do want to mention something as well that's been so powerful we, uh, this about the storytelling is I work with an acting teacher and she has groups and it's called, one of her programs is called Heal Through Story. And that is about writing one story of something, of, of a trauma, or it, it can be whatever the story is, but particularly people seem to write more about traumas because it's an opportunity to act it out on, under her direction. And she has outlets, places where the, an audience will come in and they, and I've done it in person, I've done it online and online is very powerful too, but it's just that idea of sharing our stories, healing for ourselves and then healing for other, other people who are witness to, to this. So I've, I've just found that's something more recent that I've been doing for the last few years. And I, I just say it's, it's powerful, even if they want to start with just writing their story, taking a, a step, it helps to reclaim the voice. Definitely. Yeah, that helps. That helps. And some people also go through singing, singing lessons, how to oh, yeah. breathe and sing and dare to use their voice to share. It's also a solution for stuttering because of a trauma. And then you sing and you do not stutter when you sing. It doesn't work together. So what oh, are the authors? Yeah, that's so beautiful. I, I actually did a program once called, I participated in a program called Finding Your Voice, where, and they have these at a lot of, lot of cities around um, under maybe different names, but the idea of just coming together as a group in a you know, performance and standing up there and just singing under the direction of, of someone that will help help along because I I definitely I I sang the song Brave, and I mostly spoke it. It, it was a, sort of in between singing and speaking, but just getting up there to do it, it it's life changing. So singing is such a great way, or and just sing. I just find when I sing just around the house. I love to just sit and sing and I get happy. It's just a mood changer. It's right away. I had the same experience. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, when you start to dance, you start to sing. Even if it sounds totally off, it does not matter. What matters is that you get your voice out of you from your belly, from your gut, from your heart, and you just dream 
another version of you. Mm -hmm. And that works wonders as a healing tool. And, and I, I want to mention the expressive arts as a healing tool because it's the arts are something that I you know, was drawn to from childhood when I, but I went through a period when, when I mentioned you know, my dad, when all of that happened, I stopped. I literally did not pick up art again until my 40s. I had shut my inner artist down. So that's another healing journey that I've been on is reclaiming that voice of, of the arts. And when I learned about the expressive arts, which are all the modalities of art. So it's like I mentioned, sound healing, it's acting, it's visual arts, it's meditation and visualizations, it's the singing, it's, it's, it can be all of these movement. And I just fell in love with it because there's so many different modalities and that, that can match where people are at in the moment. So with, you know, with clients, we might use, we might use puppets for relationships. So that's a way of um, role-playing different things that are going on to get a better understanding. And, and again, it's a playful way of working on difficult issues or someone might say they're feeling a certain feeling. I'm like, well, act, act it out right now, do some, or do some movement, or it might be draw it out and then share it with me. So these are things, working with the arts is one of the ways that I regain my voice as well. I mean, first I had to regain my, my artist, and then from there, sharing it with others and uh, as an opportunity to, to go very deep and rediscover ourselves and our voices. That's totally, totally essential. I'm so grateful that you are able to share these tools, to share this solution, to inspire, to show that today with your 22 years of happiness in your love relationship oh. with your last dream husband, it's like, oh, I'm so happy for you. Um, and that allowed you to really become a mentor for others on their own healing journey. And I want to precise something because I heard you a couple of times throughout our two interviews. Even at 60 plus something years old, you still feel today that you are not fully, completely healed in every way. However, you have all the tools to maintain a wonderful, healthy, compassionate, and forgiving and respectful relationship with yourself. Right? Yes. Meaning that we do not need to be absolute master teacher in every way perfectly healed to help others on their journey. That is, I think, a very important part. Um, yes, because just to reiterate, this recovery is an ongoing process. It's not like the, it, there's an end point to it. Yeah, so I believe that it's continual. And I also am a lifelong learner. 
And that's, I'm so grateful for that part of myself because that's the part that I, and I love learning about anything related to health and well-being for myself and for others and, and anything in the personal development, personal growth, you know, area. I just want to just sap it right up. <laughs> so, cause there's more, I love learning tools and, and sharing them with others. Yeah. Cause I, I think that we, we must accept that it's an ongoing journey, but just like you said, it, it doesn't um, stop us from, because we're all at different levels and we will attract to us the perfect people that we'll be able to relate with and be able to, to help inspire and move beyond. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Are you open to a small blitz game? I have four questions for you. Oh, do you, you want to play? Uh, sure, I'll play. All right. <laughs> the first question is, so money, love, and time are the three topics. I'm just going to ask you like a short question, short answer, done. All right. Okay. And it does not say anything. It's just like, okay, interesting. What is your biggest struggle when it comes to money? Oh, um, tracking. What is your biggest struggle when it comes to time? Distractibility. And what is your biggest struggle when it comes to love relationships? Um, oh. oh, I wanna say sometimes it's wanting another level of compassion seeing it seeing it through his his eyes all right and the fourth question is not that's the same kind of questions what is your morning routine what is your mental and heart fitness every day oh my morning i believe in rituals i think it's really important to have something that grounds one and, and i encourage this of people that I work with to, to have a ritual. It could be morning, evening, whenever it works for somebody. But mine in the mornings are the absolute must is to have quiet time. Even if it's 10 or 15 minutes for a meditation and, uh, and prayer for me is, is really important. And when I can, I incorporate, I have the journaling there. So that's most mornings. And also reading positive literature. And I have a little basket. So it's like my basket of blessings. And I have all my things in there that I, that I turn to in the morning. So that's, and I have a beautiful view. I have a big window that looks out over a park. And I get to watch like quail running around and really cool uh, birds. We have beautiful birds. So that's, that just brings me peace. And then I can extend that peace to others. It helps me get in the right space. That's amazing. Thank you so, so much. So 
in the description, there is all the links to reach out to you, susantussonmcneil.com. So you just take her name and .com behind that to have everything uh, about Suzanne and to connect and to help. And just a reminder, if you are a woman over 50 who wants to rediscover life purpose, reconnect with creative expression and well-being, Suzanne is absolutely the go-to person for that. And, um, and by the way, if you have a story of having overcome abusive and toxic relationships um, and that you are now helping others on their healing and thriving journey as a business owner, reach out to me because you might be one of the next podcast speaker. So Gemma, GemmaSerenity.com. Look forward to hearing from you. And I wish you an amazing day forward. Oh, and thank you, Gemma, so much. Thank you, Suzanne.